Welcome back to the Policy Viz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. And on this week's episode of the show, I am excited to have Jock McKinley join me on the program. You probably know Jock from his work at Tableau Software. Uh, if you are a researcher in the data visualization field, you surely know Jock's name from his long experience and his long uh, body of work in the field. He has basically done everything there is to do when it comes to visualizing data. And so on today's episode, we talk about his career, we talk about his work at Tableau, and we talk about the various teams that he's built and pulled together to help make that tool what it is today. So I hope you're gonna enjoy this week's episode of the show. I'm sure you will. Uh, if you have comments or questions or suggestions for uh, new guests or other things that you'd like to hear about on the show, please do reach out. You can reach me on Twitter, you can reach me at the policyviz.com website, or you can reach me at this YouTube channel uh, where you might be watching this video of my conversation with Jock. So on to this week's episode of the Policy Viz podcast. Here is my conversation with Jock McKinley. Hey, Jock, good afternoon. Well, good morning, your time. Uh, how, are, <laughs> how are you? Good to, good to see you again. I'm fine. It's good to see you as well. Um, uh, I hope that we can see each other in person sometime soon. So. Yes, that would be lovely. That would be great. I'm excited to uh, to be able to chat with you. Thanks so much for, for coming on the show. So your spot in the data visualization world is, is very interesting because you've had a long career of doing a lot of research, and then you basically helped build Tableau into what it is today. And so I thought we would talk about a number of different things. Um, and I thought maybe we would talk real briefly about how you helped get Tableau started with helping Chris Stolte in his, his original dissertation. But then I want to focus a lot on the work that you've done at Tableau and, and where you see not just Tableau going, but the, the data viz world going in the next, okay. the next few years. So maybe you just give folks like that quick, like that quick history, and then we can, we can really dive into the work that you've been doing uh, at Tableau for the last couple of years, the last yeah. several years. Yeah. So I did my undergrad math computer science at Berkeley uh, graduate work after being a programmer for a while uh, at Stanford. Uh, and then I went off and uh, started to be a, a research scientist at the Xerox Palo Alto Research Center in Berkeley. Um, and then Pat Hanrahan, who was one of the founders of Tableau, uh, is an expert in computer graphics. And I got to meet him uh, when I was at Park. Um, and he introduced me to Chris Stolte. And Chris ended up having me be on his uh, dissertation committee uh, because I, I was already doing work in visual analytics. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that was my start for Tableau. And, and it turns out, you know, Chris is very entrepreneurial. I ended up joining Tableau in 2004. Uh, and then I, yeah, as, as you said, I had, I had a, a really long career. Um, I was employee six at Tableau, got to start... Uh, both the design team and uh, an industrial research team uh, in 2011. And I'm now a technical fellow, which means I, I'm an individual contributor, but I, but uh, no, no longer a manager. But so I've, I've had a very long arc uh, at Tableau. It's, so so it's if, been over, over 17 years. Yeah. So if like Chris and Pat are like the founders and the fathers of, of Tableau, you're really like the grandfather of Tableau. Like that. Like. <laughs> uh, so Chris literally used my PhD dissertation in his PhD dissertation. Uh, so there is some truth to that. I developed an algebra 
for automatic presentation. And Chris and Pat did a domain-specific language called VizQL uh, that also combined in the, the, the database part. That was sort of the golden spike that led to Tableau. Right. Like connecting visual analytics experiences to, to actual data, particularly uh, valuable data in databases, led to the success of the company. So that's the background. So 2011, you start the design team and the user research teams. So can you talk about, I don't think we need to talk about the ins and outs of being a manager, <laughs> but, <laughs> no. uh, <laughs> but like, what were you looking for when you were building those teams? How did you have those teams work together and work separately? I mean, you know, Tableau's sort of goal is to, is to help people get insights into their data and there's people facilitating that. So how, so maybe you just talk about like, building those teams together, what you were looking for and, and how that all shook out, I guess. Sure. So the, the core focus from Chris and Pat, original innovation at Stanford, was on to help helping people answer questions with data. That That's the understand part, to help people see and understand data. Um, and it is very cognitively challenging to do that. First of all, data has its own challenges. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you're trying to answer a question, and that is extremely, extremely challenging. So it made sense in uh, 2011, as Tableau grew, to hire designers and user researchers that have an understanding of human cognition. Um, mm. And the first two people I hired, one was uh, Jeff Petras, designer, um, very good at this. And then uh, Jun Kim as a user researcher, and he's now a designer. Uh, he likes to design. Right. Um, you know, user research is, d- does formal studies of people using software. Tableau has a great user research team. But uh, yeah, it was trying to support that cognition, that extremely mm-hmm. difficult effort to, to answer, answer questions with data. Now, working with data is a really, really broad thing, and Tableau has grown up a lot. Right. Um, and so answering questions is only one part of what Tableau now supports. Right. It, it now supports the entire, you know, enterprises doing all the aspects of, wor- of working with data. Uh, but that was the genesis of it. And, and so the start uh, in 2011 in particular, the start was just, just to, you know, get professionals in to help us support people thinking, thinking mm-hmm. with data. So can you describe maybe a couple of, uh, projects. I mean, I think there's there's a number of different things, right, that those teams are doing. There's the internal part of helping build the tool into what it is, into what people see when they open Tableau and they make things. And then there's also like a whole wing of folks that are doing research. And I'm sure there's internal research, but a lot of what I've seen is like external stuff that's coming out to move the field forward. So can you maybe talk about a couple of those projects on, on either the design or the user research side and, and how I guess, you know, that's sort yeah. of a really broad question, but also like how, what's the balance like in terms of like, we, we're improving the tool and we're, we're helping the community sort of generally the field move ahead. Yeah. Um, the, so Tableau, you know, with the, with the dissertation at Stanford had an academic tradition. So right. in 2011, we also started an industrial research team and there's a difference between uh, user research and industrial research. Now I hired one person who 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 did both really really well, uh, but uh, um, but industrial research is you know writing academic papers in academic conferences, also prototyping doing prototyping work, um, which is hugely valuable and and literally you can do user research studies on prototypes, 
so so it made sense to start both of these teams at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, but the industrial research team is a small, you know, uh, sort of forward-facing thing that's different, whereas the design and the user research teams are in the nitty-gritty of building the actual software. Right, um, right. There, there are two different aspects. Which which direction do you want me to go? Um, I mean, now that I, I've made that distinction. <laughs> so why don't why don't we start with the with the design piece? Yeah, um, and and then we can go to the to the industrial research side. So there's a relentless effort to first, you know, with with that existing shelf experience that is the the core question answering right. part of Tableau. Um, just making it easier, and I can't completely remember 2011, but there's two parts to it. There is um, sort of the data-facing part, so mm-hmm. connecting to d- data and, and whatnot, and then there's the human, you know, augmentation of human cognition part of it, which is has a, vi- a visual part to it, and, yeah. and but also the experience part. And so once the design professionals showed up, there was a relentless effort to sort of continue doing that. Mm. And later in Tableau's history, of course, we added in additional products uh, and we conti- we're continuing to do that for people with more skills. And also uh, right now, we're also focusing on business professionals. Uh, in other words, people that certainly don't have a lot of time to play with data and may not have the data skills, data yeah. literacy to play with data. And so right. we're, we're, we're pushing out that way. Right. Okay, so then on the on the research side, let me count it for you this way. When I worked at at CBO years ago, you know, sometimes there would be a request from members of Congress to say, "Hey, we want to know the answer to this particular question." And other times there was uh, when we didn't have specific requests. I mean, there were always specific requests, but some were shorter than others. There was what do we think as an agency members of Congress would want to learn about and what do they want to know about so they could do their jobs better. So I'm curious what that balance was like. You know, there are customer needs and the research and the cognition research about how to solve those problems. And then there's sort of what a lot of what I've seen is, uh, well, maybe it's just on the writing, but it's like a little more general. It's like, here's a data viz problem that we are trying to solve. So I guess my if if I was to like hone in on this question, uh, it's like what does that day to day look like for those research teams? So the industrial research team is talented individuals who have expertise in various things like statistics, computer graphics, et cetera, et cetera, along those lines. Um, and the team that I built up, I had a passion about making sure it was very customer focused. So you, from a customer focused point of view, you start with problems that customers would have. And for Tableau, of course, it was a very broad set of customers, lots of different industries and whatnot. Um, Then the individual research scientists would have ideas about how to crack open a problem of Mm. one type or another. And there there were two ways to do the research. One way was to actually build prototypes because it's it is industrial research and prototyping is a great way to do that sometimes prototypes can end up actually becoming part of the product offerings of, of the company um, and then you can also write academic papers which is you know getting academic papers through review committees is a way of honing the mm-hmm. the ideas the understanding of the ideas the methodologies about that and so this industrial research group uh, to this day, is very, very good at both of those, prototyping mm-hmm. and also using the academic review process to hone hone ideas, but right. always with an eye towards ultimately building uh, software 
that would help our customers. So you're sort of at that point during that 20 years or so where you're running, founding and running those teams, it sounds like you're sort of looking forward, right? You're, you're, you're sort of anticipating customer challenges. And I mean, I'm sure you're answering certain challenges, but you're sort of anticipating questions uh, and challenges. And so I'm curious now that we're in 2022, uh, you have a slightly different role there, but now looking forward, what do you see? I mean, Tableau itself has gone over sort of at the aggregate level, tremendous changes, you know, recently being, you know, uh, acquired by Salesforce and, and variety of other things. So I'm curious now, as you look forward, what do you, what do you see both in terms of the tool itself, in terms of the data viz community, in terms of, you know, the world, I mean, not the yeah. world because we'll never stop talking, but you know, um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So what, like now looking forward, what do you see? So the, the first thing to say is I'm actually super excited by the acquisition and, 2019 by Salesforce because Salesforce is very, you know, has a really long history, really successful company uh, focusing on specific business professionals, sellers, marketers, you know, field service people, people like that. Um, And so Tableau right now wants to grow to business professionals. And so this partnership with Salesforce is totally fabulous that way. So that's the first part. The the second part is um, there are sort of two major vectors going forward. One of them was what Tableau was doing all the way back when when Chris and Pat were at Stanford, which is the um, partnership between humans and computers. And the opportunity always, and certainly today, is that humans and computers have complementary but asymmetric skills with respect to data work. On the human side, I go either way, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to start with on the human side, uh, we have a very rich understanding of the world. And in particular, individuals have a very rich understanding of their organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, comparatively, though, computers have much more superficial understanding of the world, but they're perfectly willing to dive into vast amounts of data, 24-7, 365. Humans need to sleep. Humans find data, you know, a struggle, boring, on and on like that. So there's this huge, uh, huge opportunity around that partnership. And in particular, um, right now, 2022, machine learning and, and artificial intelligence are slowly giving computers more and more capabilities of one type or another, technically. Um, and so that's going to just enhance the, enhance the partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing is collaboration between people. So the world is a really rich, complicated place. And so you might be know everything about your specific thing, your organization, um, but the world is really, really rich. So you do need to, to uh, collaborate with other people. And because it's still times of pandemic, um, I use the example of, you know, who knew that we were going to need to ha- have an understanding of COVID data, right. uh, you know, uh, <laughs> right. um, um, uh, uh, in 2019? Well, yeah. we didn't know, right. uh, and, and but we're now avidly reading experts on, on that kind of data and, you know, taking the data and combining it with our organizational data um, because it's super important to, to, to yeah. the organizations. And so that that's a relentless trend. And so uh, that is um, why collaboration is super important. Yeah. 
So on the, on the machine learning and artificial intelligence, like for an everyday Tableau user, what can you give me a sense of how they might and expect machine either one of those sort of things to show up in their in their creation or their use of of the tool? So this is a place where the partnership with Salesforce is really good. Salesforce did the negotiations to have Einstein be a brand element about mm-hmm. about all of this. But th- the basic idea here is, um, in your workflow, you could get recommendations from Einstein uh, mm. about what to do next. Right. Um, now, you know, humans need to bring their judgment to bear. They right. know the world about whether they're actually going to follow the computer or not. But that's the idea is the computer can provide recommendations of actions of literally mm-hmm. not just decisions, but actions to do next. And that will speed people in, in their work. So the reality of it, so just to keep to drill down yeah. one level farther, there are data professionals uh, who are skilled enough to be able to, to, to do the machine learning and whatnot, but the delivery of the machine learning modules into into workflow, and so mm. you want to support you want to support the horn fleet, and also monitor those models uh, to make sure that they're still providing good recommendations to to the individuals uh, that that are doing it. That that is a current yeah. concern. Uh, that's current work uh, research. I'm, I'm obviously not going to get into. Uh, any sort of forward product announcements, but yeah, uh, yeah. but right. but but that but that is uh, um, uh, what's what's going on. It's interesting to hear you hear the way you sort of frame that because what what pops into my head is like a show me tab, which we have now. That's like for some select number of visualizations, but a show me tab that could be infinitely large. That's not just on give me examples of visualizations to create, but give me examples of other data analysis or other threads that I could sort of pull. You know, I've, I've, I've built this thing to help me reach this decision with all these other pieces sort of circulating in and around Tableau. There are these other threads that I could pull. And so it's maybe not necessarily just show me a graph type I could use, but show me a data analysis or a data field that I could go explore or a new data field that I could go yes. explore. Yes. Uh, in, yeah. in fact, the computer can... Um, easily monitor the data and uh, and notice things that to, to draw human attention to them, um, which then might lead to uh, questions that a person wants to answer, um, you know, super relevant questions to their organization. Um, and, you know, like obviously uh, a lot of uh, business professionals don't have the time to actually an- answer those questions, but they will delegate the, the, the answers, you know, to the, to the analysts and their organizations or whatnot, or, which is why, by the way, I think that uh, Salesforce acquiring Slack is super exciting for Tableau because it, it's a natural place to do that kind of delegation or that kind of collaborative work with people. It's, it's already established user experience for that. But, uh, but yes, uh, for me personally, I find the, the, the deeper questions to be the, the most interesting ones to try and mm-hmm. support. Um, that was how I ended up on Chris's dissertation committee. Um, it's cognitively challenging to answer those questions. Um, and by the way, uh, you know, the 17 years I've been at Tableau, those deeper questions are hugely valuable to our customers right. uh, for, from, 
getting to good, using data to getting to good answer on deep questions brings huge customer value. Um, and so it's super valuable that way, um, in addition to all the routine data work. Right, right, um, right. From the perspective of the tool, um, is is there, uh, well, how, I, I know another is, but like, how does the tool help lead people to those deeper questions, right? So it's really easy for me to pop in if I think about like HR data, right? Um, just because, of, you know, the Salesforce link is kind of kind of the obvious one. You know, I can pop in my HR data, I can do some basic tabs, but how does the tool then encourage me or or lead me to ask these deeper questions? Questions occur all the time. Yeah. To, to, to people. So it's not so much the computer leading to deeper questions. It's, it's the computer helping a person quickly decide whether, uh, you know, first of all, getting answers to simple fact questions yeah. really quickly. Um, and then deciding whether some question it actually worth is worth deeper ah. exploration or yeah. not. Um, and um, because it's the human that has the, the knowledge of the world that, that has to be brought to bear rather than the computer. But the user experience needs to be designed so that you can quickly essentially do triage on the question and then spend your time focusing on the ones that have depth to them and might have high payoff to them. Right, um, right. And I never said the word triage before now, but it is exactly <laughs> it is exactly right. Uh, it, it's like the software needs to be set up for that to support that kind of triage, not just for the individual, but also for the collaborative efforts right. going on, on that. Right, um, right. So, so that's my perspective. And, but the computer can certainly absolutely help with that because, you know, the marshalling up the data, the COVID example is a good example. Um, it off, like the deeper questions often involve bringing together data, uh, starting with some data and then bringing in more data. Right, right. In completely unanticipated ways, such that yeah. the, you know, the the data curators didn't, you know, they they go after the routine data that's going to help the organization. But deeper questions often lead to this kind of on-the-fly modeling that right. data modeling that has to happen to get to the answer. So there's oftentimes I see in the data science data viz community uh, this sort of argument, more or less, about whether there should be like a person should be able to do everything, right? Sort of what I call the unicorn uh, kind of person <laughs> or like, is it about teams? And I get the sense from you that it's really all about teams. And it so, is. so can you talk a little bit about like, yeah, from your perspective, like what's a way I'll make it a little more concrete actually. So someone's listening to this podcast and they're the one person at their organization that's using Tableau and they love Tableau and they're doing analysis and they're trying to get more buy-in at their organization, maybe for the tool itself, but maybe just more generally for like better data viz, better data communication. So for that person, they're trying to build these teams. Like, how do you see that person? Like, what's their path forward to build these teams and build this, you know, this sort of network of, of people who have this shared interest to ask, to ultimately ask these deeper questions? Yeah, Um so, you know, what popped into my head was the Tableau conference. And, oh, oh boy, do I wish we could have in-person yeah. Tableau conferences again. Because the brilliance out of Lisa Fink's brilliance about starting the Tableau conference was that the person that you just described 
would show up at the, you know, like I was there at the very first Tableau conference, you know, 160 guests plus the Tableau people. Um, yeah. But but they were already sharing their their knowledge and their best practices about how to get their organizations to use data more effectively. Um, it's a very rich set of things. Tableau's specific responsibility is to build the software. Right. Uh, and the good news is, of course, the visual part of Tableau means that you can make the data visible to people and you can tell really good stories about it. But there's a lot of rich, it, it, it's like, we don't have time in this podcast to go into all of <laughs> yeah. all, all of the different ways. Yeah. But I, but I, what I'm fundamentally saying is, if you're one of those people, you know, when Tableau Conference starts to be in person again, come because yeah. you will find your fellow people in different industries. But the ideas are fungible. Uh, the techniques are fungible. And the thing is, is that. Companies are all at many different places in the sort of the sophistication with respect that they do the data, but you will find people that are given your organizations where it is right now. Um, and, and literally some of the Tableau documents, like we have a thing called Tableau Blueprint, which is to help organizations do this sort of thing. Um, and part of the, there is a self-assessment of where you are, mm. where your organization is right now and what proven next steps are yeah. uh, for moving forward. Right. So, so um, I want to, I want to just get back to, we want to get to one more question before we wrap <laughs> up, um, which we could talk about this one, I think for a while too. So you've been in academia, you've been in the private sector and you've built all these different teams with all these uh, different uh, skill sets and uh, sort of built a culture of collaboration. And so I'm curious for younger folks who are interested in the data visualization field. And I was about to say computer science graduate students, but I think that's not like the right framework because it's really lots of different people come to data viz from lots of different yes. places. So when folks are thinking about their careers, what is your thought about academia versus the private sector versus the nonprofit sector? And like, I mean, so that's a pretty like general question, but I think if people are, you know, thinking about where do they go once their education is done, what are your thoughts on, you know, what people should be thinking about? What are the questions they should be asking themselves as they start to look for careers in data in data? Yeah. In data viz? Uh, yeah. The space is really, really big and you're absolutely correct. It's not just computer science uh, people like, for example, my son. Oh, it's his birthday today. Oh. Uh, ha happy birthday, <laughs> Gavin! Um, <laughs> and of course, now I can't figure out what his age is. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but he he works currently at Amazon, and he started out with a degree in economics. Oh. Um, well, so for for example, which of course obviously very data oriented. Yeah. Um, uh, but but he did need to learn some computer stuff, and he also of course partners with with lots of other people. Frankly, you can proceed forward, if you have the sort of the data-oriented passions, um, you can proceed forward with academic, profit or non-profit companies. The data is affecting everywhere, yeah. and everyone understands that it's really important. Um, and then the challenge is, are you more data-oriented than you, you can learn, you can learn the data, the parts of it, or, or the, you know, the query parts of databases or whatnot? Um, or are you more interested in a specific domain mm -hmm. um, 
in which case then that will drive you forward out of college uh, because uh, you know one one of the challenges of, of people who are the unicorn data scientist, in other words, a person who is a unicorn and knows how to do, you know, the statistics, the machine learning, the queries on the database, you know, the programming and all those sorts of things. Unfortunately, that unicorn doesn't actually know about their organization and they have to, you know, yeah. they often have to team up with uh, or spend a long time learning about a particular organization. So that's on the on the data end of the spectrum. And then part of the reason why the Tableau community is so rich and vibrant is because people never thought that they would really be able to deal with data, but really cared about their particular organization, discovered that, well, if the, if the software was easy enough to use, they could actually do stuff. And that's the passion on the other side of it. So, yeah. 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 Well, that's great. Um, I can see your passion for it. And I can see the, the passion really for the collaboration, which I think is just so important and the yeah. way that we work and communicate data. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jock, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was a treat chatting with you and hopefully be able to chat in, in person soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to seeing you in person soon. So thanks. Bye. And thanks everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you learned a little bit about the history of data visualization, the history of Tableau, where the company is now and where it's heading in the future. If you would like to support the show, please consider sharing it with your friends, your family, your networks. If you'd like to financially support the show, even just for like cost of a cup of coffee, uh, you can go over to my PayPal page or you can go over to my Patreon page, get some goodies over there. Your support helps me afford the transcription costs, the sound editing costs, the video editing costs, the web hosting, all the things that's necessary to bring the show to you each and every other week. So. Until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A number of people help bring you the Policy Viz Podcast. Music is provided by the NRIs. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs. Design and promotion is created with assistance from Sharon Satsuki Ramirez. And each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Policy Viz podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. If you'd like to help support the show financially, please visit our PayPal page or our Patreon page at patreon.com slash policyviz.